0: Welcome to the VIVO Third Quarter 2020 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will hold a brief question and answer session for analysts and institutional investors. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press the star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded. Today's presenters are Barry Fishman, VIVO's Chief Executive Officer, and Michael Bumby, VIVO's Chief Financial Officer. Please note that the comments made on today's call may contain forward-looking information, and this information by its nature is subject to risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially from the views expressed today. For further information on these risks and uncertainties, please consult the company's relevant filings on CDAR. These documents are also available on VIVO's website at vivocannabis.com. I'll now pass the call over to Barry Fishman. Barry?
1: Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Vivo's third quarter 2020 conference call. During the third quarter, we continued to make positive strides to position the company for future profitable growth. In October, we completed our largest harvest in our company's history at our Kemet's facility in Napanee, Ontario, one week ahead of schedule. The Kemet's facility consists of four airhouses, with a total of 75,000 square feet of cultivation space and contained approximately 10,000 plants. We also delivered our first shipment to medical cannabis by Shoppers under the product supply agreement we entered into in June of this year. We value our partnership with Shoppers Drug Mart and look forward to introducing our full suite of medical products to Shoppers customers and supporting many of their patients through our Harvest Medicine Clinic team. On the adult use side of the business, we made strides with our new value brand, Canadian Bud Collection, where we introduced the first value-priced concentrate product, Mountain Bubble Hash, to the market. I look forward to providing future updates on this exciting new brand. Subsequent to quarter end, we announced several measures to streamline operations to achieve positive adjusted EBITDA in the first half of 2021. Our Napanee, Ontario-based organization has been repurposed to focus on low-cost cultivation from the Kimmets airhouses and the extraction and production of Vivo's growing line of cannabis 2.0 concentrates. To allow Vivo to capitalize on economies of scale and reduce costs, certain other activities such as packaging and distribution will be centralized at the Canna Farms facility in Hope, British Columbia. We will also be monetizing non-core assets and capital expenditures are minimal going forward as all of our key facility projects have now been completed. Our move to recently streamlined operations is expected to, grow, to drive cost savings of over $1 million per quarter, starting in the first quarter of 2021. All of these actions better align the business with the demands and the evolution of the cannabis market and position the company for future profitable growth. Before I turn the call over to Mike to discuss our financial results, I'd like to briefly address our financial position. During the quarter, we restructured $27 million in current liabilities and extended the remaining 6.6 million of 6% convertible debt to September 15th, 2022. This removed a significant risk in our financial profile and we were pleased to be able to restructure the debt on very favorable terms. Shortly after restructuring the debt, we filed the short form base shelf prospectus. This enables us to offer common shares, debt securities, convertible securities, subscription receipts, warrants, units, or any combination thereof for an aggregate gross proceeds of up to $50 million during a 25 month period. After filing the prospectus, we announced our intention to raise gross proceeds of approximately $5 million. However, as a result of highly unusual trading activity after our announcement, which we've reported to securities regulators, we decided to withdraw the offering. The current capital market environment in the cannabis space still remains challenging for most Canadian LPs, and many are experiencing depressed valuations. Unfortunately, that is also the case for Vivo. Both management and our board appreciate that this has been a difficult time for our shareholders, many of whom have been loyal investors and customers for many years. However, we believe that our focused and disciplined approach to growing the top line with intense financial stewardship to contain costs is the right way to achieve long-term shareholder value. We have a solid business foundation, and as I reflect on this past year, I feel we have advanced in a number of key areas, particularly in launching cannabis 2.0 products and sharpening our operational focus especially in light of the COVID-19 backdrop. With the $27 million debt restructuring behind us, we remain financially and operationally disciplined as we move towards profitability. Now I'll turn it over to Mike to discuss our financial performance in
2: more detail. Mike? Thanks, Barry. Financial discipline is a necessity in today's environment. COVID-19 has created uncertainties for all of us, which is why it's important to control the things we can control, and that is our costs. Sales general and administrative expenses were $4.3 million in Q3, compared to $4.7 million in the second quarter, a reduction of 9%. And as Barry mentioned, we have undertaken a concerted effort to contain costs across the entire organization. Gross and net revenue for Q3 were $10.4 million and $7.5 million, respectively. On the net basis, this represents a 20% decrease quarter over quarter, primarily reflecting the timing of reorders following the initial stocking in the market of some of our cannabis 2.0 products earlier in the year, and also some declines in the premium sector related to COVID purchasing shifts towards value-priced products. Vivo continued to sustain premium prices for its medical and adult-use dry flower products with a net average selling price, net of excess uh, excise, of $5.38 per gram, down 11% from Q2. This average selling price reduction reflects a product mix effect, including our recent entry into the value segment, as well as some select price reductions needed to bring us in line with the prices of our premium market competitors. Adjusted EBITDA was a loss of $2.6 million for the quarter compared with a loss of $2.2 million in the second quarter. The difference due in large part to an inventory write-down. Vivo's Q3 2020 adjusted EBITDA derived from domestic cannabis operations was a loss of $2.1 million. Investments in growth initiatives, including our international operations and in new product development, make up the remainder of the EBITDA loss. These investments are expected to drive future profitable sales. Cash and cash equivalents, including short-term investments, were approximately $3.3 million at the end of Q3. The company has other financial assets in the form of securities and other publicly traded cannabis companies valued on a mark-to-market basis at the end of the quarter of $3.3 million. Going forward, we remain committed to sound financial stewardship and governance. I'll now hand it back over to Barry. Barry?
1: Thanks, Michael. We've discussed our company-wide focus on accelerating the path to profitability. Throughout 2020, we've had a sharp focus on four strategic priorities, and we've made significant advancements in each of them. Our first priority is enhancing supply and production capabilities. At our Farms facility, we commissioned a new pre-roll machine, which is expected to increase output and reduce production costs. As I previously mentioned, we completed our largest harvest in our company's history at our Kimitz facility, which is focused exclusively on low-cost cultivation. Our second priority is creating and maintaining a broad and loyal customer network. We have a great asset in Canna Farms as it's the fourth most recognized cannabis brand in Canada. We're working hard to continue to strengthen all of our brands and expand our product selection. We, competed, we completed our first medical cannabis product shipment to Medical Cannabis by Shoppers, and after beginning to ship products under the Canadian bud collection brand in Q2 2020, which is directed at the popular value segment of the market. We also recently shipped Canafarm's Farms' Keith to Quebec, a market that has a very high percentage of extract consumption. After temporarily realigning Harvest Medicine's resources at the outset of COVID-19. Harvest Medicine surpassed 150,000 cumulative patient visits this quarter and broadened its reach, helping patients in the majority of provinces and territories across Canada. Harvest Medicine reopened its Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia clinic as part of its phased approach to provide in-clinic cannabis-based therapy consultations and education for our our patients. Our third priority is building an innovation-driven, branded organization. We have a wide variety of concentrate products that have been well-received in the market. These include Fireside vape cartridges and Shatter and Cannafarm's Bubble Hash Keith and Live Rosin. And during the third quarter, we introduced Beacon Medical soft gels, which are available on the Cannafarms online medical marketplace to over 25,000 active patients. Beacon Medical soft gel capsules provide patients with a convenient format to ingest cannabis in a precise-dosed format. We also began producing active emulsions using Virtosa's infusion technology for the cannabis beverage market and just recently made our first shipment. We have more products in the pipeline and remain on track to introduce a unique line of specific medical cannabis formulations produced under pharmaceutical quality standards with partners such as PharmaScience and and to be introduced sometime in the first half of next year. Finally, our fourth priority is to accelerate the growth of our international medical business. Our Australian business continues to advance as the Therapeutics Goods Administrator reported a record number of new patient approvals in the third quarter of 2020 and triple-digit growth in patient approvals year over year. We are well positioned in this high growth market. We also continue to advance our European expansion strategy through our partnership with Lineo Health, a Spanish based EU GMP certified supplier of pharma grade cannabis. Our subsidiary, Beacon Medical Germany, is expecting final approval of Lineo products for import into Germany once successful quality results are obtained. We also continue to advance the EU GMP certification of our Van Leeuwen facility, despite some delays related to COVID-19. In closing, we believe a strong and disciplined focus on the four strategic priorities I just covered will generate long-term shareholder value. On a final note, this past Wednesday was Remembrance Day, a day in which all of us across Canada took a moment to remember those that have served and continue to serve in the Canadian Armed Forces. We appreciate the sacrifice of our veterans and in honor of Remembrance Day, we donated a portion of sales from November 11th and November 12th in support of the Veterans for Healing charity. Veterans for Healing is powered by the Global Alliance Foundation Fund a nonprofit veterans organization focused on increasing the quality of life of their members by assisting the healing journey. Through a unique set of four pillars, the foundation has seen countless trauma patients find purpose again. Vivo's donation helped support this year's Remembrance Day ceremony in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, and assisted providing food and shelter for veterans. With that, Michael and I are pleased to answer any questions.
0: Thank you. If you have a question, please press the star followed by one. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. Please ensure you lift the handset if you are using a speakerphone before pressing any keys. Our first question comes from Noel Atkinson with Claris. Your line is now open.
3: Hi, good morning guys, Uh,
4: thanks for taking our questions. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the sort of split of medical and adult use revenues in Q3 and how the medical side did uh, in the quarter?
1: Yeah, so um, thanks for the question Noel, nice to hear your voice. Um, I think we, we don't disclose the exact ratio of medical versus adult use, but my impression now is that adult use is is well over 50% of our sales, but perhaps I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over to Mike and see if
2: he could add some additional color. Yeah, Barry, that, that's, uh, like you say we, we don't provide this book, but you know, what I can provide you that you might find interesting is that when you compare the revenue that we're getting on the medical side to the um, adult use side, the medical side is solid. It's not had uh, really much of an impact from COVID. So as much as there are obviously challenges all around, our medical side has really performed very well under the COVID conditions, whereas um, the sales of our adult-use products have have been more challenging. Now, we believe that part of the challenge on the adult-use side is because those sales go through provincial wholesalers, who have um, been uh, reducing the amount of inventory that they've held. So it's not really a comment on the on the demand for our products at the market level, but it's it's more of a comment about what the wholesalers are holding. We don't have that same effect on the medical side, and the medical side, like I say, has been really pretty solid through the last few quarters. Okay, good. Um, yeah, the- and, the-
1: and the only thing, uh, Noel, let me just add worry. one comment that I think is important, and that is, We track active medical patients very closely, and our trends are on the upside. We have now exceeded 26,000 patients, so we're actually growing our patient count quarter over quarter, which is, uh, you know, kind of a testament to our focus with Harvest Medicine and the Canna Farms Market uh, Medical Marketplace. So we're, you know, very keen on that business. It provides stability, good margins. And uh, you know, it's probably one of the segments of our business that's easiest to predict.
4: Okay. Have you seen any recovery and restocking activity into Q4? Given that Q3 uh, in your in your filings suggests that it was sort of impacted by COVID-related inventory concerns.
1: Yeah. So, so Mike mentioned that we are. Uh, You know, we are under the impression that many of the provinces have uh, decreased their inventory levels. But we believe that those inventory levels have normalized and we're seeing some encouraging patterns so far in the fourth quarter. Uh, You know, we had, um, you know, an uptake in orders from the provincial adult use uh, segment in October. And I think it continues through the first half of November as well. So, you know, we believe that the inventories have been normalized. And um, now, hopefully, there's sort of uh, you know we could we could actually supply the true demand. Okay. Uh, and what are you doing? Uh,
4: what can you talk to us a little bit about what you're doing with uh, sort of uh, account management and being able to get into the stores? Because we continue to see you know this on, rapid growth in, in in new stores being licensed in particularly Ontario and, uh, you know, getting out and, and spreading the word about your products with uh, with these new stores.
3: Yeah,
1: so we, we do use a contract sales organization with, you know, feet on the ground to visit stores in, in, in several of the key provinces that our products are uh, supplied to. Um, we believe that bud tenders are an incredibly important promotional vehicle to actually uh, understand the value of canna farms and Fireside and the quality of canna farms and Fireside. So we have a very concerted and targeted effort at the store level to actually uh, target retail stores that have a significant emphasis on the premium category. And then once we target those stores, we try to build relationships with the store manager as well as the bud tender through, you know, programs and educational uh, experiences. And we're also preparing some interesting store, to, store displays that that provide uh, customers with, uh, you know, a picture of why, you know, why Canna Farms is a unique uh, and different crafted BC dry flower product. And um, so we're doing a lot at the store level. We're stepping up our, uh, promotional emphasis there.
4: Okay. Uh, two more quick ones. So uh, you've also rolled. You know, you talked a little bit about the the value brands that you that you're bringing to market. I guess it's one's Canadian Bud collection. I think. Um, can you talk about you know what you're seeing for rollout of the value brand across Canada into new into new provinces?
2: Yeah,
1: you know, we thought that the value segment was too big a segment to ignore, so we introduced Canadian bud collection. Canadian bud collection is um, a quality product. We will, we will be emphasizing larger package sizes because there's economies of scale. So I think the average uh, package of Canadian bud collection will be significantly higher than the average package for uh, fireside or canna farms so that we could take advantage of, you know, some cost efficiencies. Um, you know, we're testing that market. It's new to us, and we're trying to get a flavor for, you know, how we can position Canadian bud collection despite some intense competition and uh, with variety and price in that, in that segment. So, you know, we will also introduce a concentrate product, which has been really well received in the province of British Columbia, We're very happy with that because I think we were first to market with a value-concentrate product.
4: Okay. Uh, And then finally, um, so you're you're talking now about uh, trying to hit positive adjusted EBITDA in the first half of '21, thanks to some of the cost savings that you've implemented. Um, And what do you need to see happen both on, I guess, the COVID environment. Do you need to see a vaccine implemented? Do you need to see a significant reduction in, in in COVID activity in in Canada to be able to get volumes to the point where you can reach positive adjusted EBITDA?
1: Yeah. So so uh, that's a subject of a lot of discussion internally, and I'm going to hand it over to Mike to provide his perspective on you know, what it's going to take to reach that milestone of turning the corner on profitability. So Mike, if you want to take that question.
2: Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Thanks, Noel. That is a good question. Um, you know, obviously seeing some sort of stabilization in the COVID situation, I, I don't, I, you know, we're not going to base our, our profitability on the assumption that everything gets back to normal because I don't think that's a very good assumption. I think we can say, um, we can base our assumption of getting to profitability on the fact that it will stabilize where it is. So, for example, provinces reducing the amount of inventory that they hold tends to be just sort of a one-time event. Now, now they they may bounce back and forth, but if they're going from, make up some numbers, six weeks of inventory down to two weeks, that's sort of a one-time effect. As long as they stay at two weeks, then we've got something that we can kind of work with. Um. They, they keep bouncing around, and it it is more difficult. But but we're making the assumption that that the the worst of the change is over, um, and and then in terms of you know looking at what other things we need to do, we are in the process of integrating the two LPs that we have, and we re- you know we were running a lot of redundancies. We thought that at the time that that was our best path forward. But I think COVID sort of put. Uh, put a damper on that. So we are now fully integrating the, um, the the processes in both facilities and we think that that will lead to a significant reduction in, in our cost base. We've made some estimates, but we think that there are more opportunities there. Um, and in addition, we're really, uh, I think we, we were a little bit dependent on third party um, sources of product which were negatively impacting our margins. And so with the expansions, um, that we have online, that now online. So, for example, the uh, the recent expansion in in our Hope facility, where we've got some two-tiered grow coming in, we will use that product as opposed to using third-party products, which we've used in the past, and that will help our margins. Uh, similarly, the our sources of biomass, we haven't had a quarter up to this point where we've got any benefit from the product coming out of our chemist tents. Right. All, all of uh, you know any additional biomass that that we required has come from third-party sources. Now that we have biomass coming out of the chemist plants, all of it of which has been expensed up to this point, going through our P&L, that is now all going to hit um, and and it will positively impact our our gross margins. So, so COVID aside, I think we've got some underlying. Um, changes or, or things that have finally come online that will really help our profitability. And so we're, we're trying to take advantage of that, you know, early next year. Um, you know, some other things that Barry mentioned about joint roll-in machines, you know, no dependence on third parties on that side. Um, you know, the, the opening of the Quebec markets, we've got some things that really are independent of COVID. So I think we're there's a, there's a number of paths to profitability, and we're going to try to work on all of them.
4: Okay, good
2: to hear. All right, thanks for taking my
0: question. Yeah, thank you. That concludes today's question and answer session. I'd like to turn the call back to Barry Fishman for closing remarks.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to take an opportunity to thank those of you listening to the call for uh, participating. I I wish you a, uh, a good rest of day and an enjoyable weekend. Thanks, everybody.